Come, Holy Spirit, come by means of the powerful intercession of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, thy well-beloved spouse. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. <clears throat> My kingdom is not of this world. Those were the words Jesus spoke to Pilate. And when Pilate asked him if he were a king, Jesus affirmed that, yes, I am the king. Jesus is the king of kings, the Lord of lords. He rules over all creation, over the principalities and powers, over the angels, over the entire world, over the human race, over governments, over individuals. And this is made clear in our readings today, our epistle and the gospel. This feast we celebrate today, the Feast of Christ the King, was instituted on December 7, 1925 by Pope Pius XI. <laughs> And it was his second encyclical. His first encyclical dealt with the kingship of Christ. The second encyclical proclaiming this as a universal feast. And with that encyclical, he was proclaiming and making known to everyone, what everyone should realize, uh, the doctrine called the social kingship of Christ. In other words, Christ is king not only over individuals, but over countries, over nations, over all those who rule. Anyone who rules, rules by the authority of God, whether they realize it or not, like Pontius Pilate, the pagan. And in his encyclical on the Feast of Christ the King, Quas Primas in Latin, Pope Pius XI warned against and I quote here, rebellion of individuals and states against the authority of Christ with deplorable consequence for society. He went on to list all these terrible consequences, a lack of due order in the state and uh, actually immorality being promoted by the state. And <clears throat> he encouraged this doctrine to be preached, to be made known. Unfortunately, most Catholics don't even realize the doctrine, that most Catholics don't realize that the separation of church and state is a heresy. The state has the duty to not be ruled by the church, but to look to the church as a guide for making laws and policies, because Christ has entrusted the keys of the kingdom and all authority to Peter and his successors to his one holy Catholic and apostolic church. <clears throat> this teaching, as I said, wasn't new. Uh, the popes from the previous century, in the 1800s, had pronounced this doctrine. Pius XI, pardon me, Blessed Pius IX, for example, uh, one of his advisors was Cardinal Pierre of Poitiers in France. He was a champion of the doctrine of the kingship of Christ in the 19th century. And this is what Cardinal Pierre wrote more than 120 years ago regarding how Christ's influence must permeate every vestige of society, not only individuals, but governments. 
This is what he said, so long as Christ does not reign over nations, his influence over individuals remains superficial and precarious. True that the work of the apostolate going out, that's all of our work, especially the laity, this consists in the conversion of individuals, yes, that's true, but <clears throat> individual members live under the never-ceasing influence of an environment, and they are submerged in this environment, deeply plunged into it. Cardinal Pierre said, if the environment is non-Catholic, it prevents the individual from embracing the faith, or if he has the faith, it tends to root out from his heart every vestige of belief. <clears throat> well, <clears throat> I think those words written a century and a half ago, you say are bearing fruit today. The problem with so many in our country departing from the law of God, uh, the latest assault on, on the rights of the family, the Supreme Court declaring that there's such a thing as marriage between uh, two people of the same sex. Well, <clears throat> back <clears throat> In the 1800s, this is kind of surprising, I'm reading a, a book right now, I've been reading it for some time, it's a long, thick book, but it's packed with, with good information, by Mr. Christopher Ferreira, he's a, an attorney. His book is Liberty, the God that Failed. He analyzes the beginnings of this country and, and what has gone wrong with it. And he correctly diagnoses the problem that goes back to our founders as our founders founded this country not on Christian principles. They didn't recognize the Christian God, and Christopher Ferrara uh, points out something in, in his book, something I never knew until I read it, that back in the middle 1800s, the Protestants in this country gathered in what was called for a National Reform Association, Protestant leaders, preachers from around the country, and they leveled an indictment against the Enlightenment founders and framers of our Constitution. And they made prophetic predictions about the disastrous outcome of the social order if you don't have it ordered correctly toward Christ. Uh, one of the, the accusations they made was that the founders themselves were attached to a political philosophy of rationalism from the Enlightenment, they failed to recognize divine authority, the true Christian God, and how God's laws must have primacy over human laws. At their 1874 convention, they have conventions every year, this ongoing critique of, of the founding of our nation. Uh, one of the leading Protestant preachers at that time, Reverend Horace Bushnell, there's a Bushnell, Illinois, I think it's named after him, this was in 1861, he said, our grand revolutionary fathers organized a government without moral or religious ideas in a man-made compact. The National Reform Association mentioned repeatedly a treaty signed by President John Adams in 1797. It was the Treaty of Tripoli trying to 
engage in a treaty with, with Muslim nations. And this is what the treaty says, which he signed, which our government voted for. And I quote, as the government of the United States of America is not in any sense founded on the Christian religion, well, this was a preamble to assure the Muslims that we weren't going to force Christianity on them, dealing with them. Well, this shows a departure from the truth, from Christ. And they made a resolution, this National Reform Association, resolved that it is a striking and solemn fact that our present national constitution is devoid of any Christian feature. And actually they proposed an amendment to the preamble of our constitution. Our, the preamble of our constitution, all of us learned this when we were growing up, begins, we the people of the United States in order to form a more perfect union. Okay. Well, they proposed to change the preamble to read this way. We, the people of the United States, humbly acknowledging Almighty God as the source of all authority and power in civil government, and the Lord Jesus Christ as the ruler among all nations, has revealed his will as the supreme law of the land in order to constitute a Christian government, in order to form a more perfect union. Those words could have been written by a Catholic. Mm -hmm especially in regard to the feast we celebrate today. Now the problem with this Protestant approach is that, uh, well, Protestantism itself, because <clears throat> Protestants don't have any supreme authority to have the final say on morality, on laws. That's why there are 10,000 Protestant sects. And, as Christopher Ferrara says, in the end, the National Reform Association movement succumbed to the same fatal deficiency that characterizes Protestantism in all its varieties, the lack of an authoritative teaching church with final authority to resolve disputes over faith and morals and unite Christians as a force standing in opposition to abuses of power by the state. Now, about this time, in the, the latter part of the 19th century, there was a Protestant who left Protestantism. He became a Catholic. His name was Orestes Brownson. And Brownson was able to critique the, this, this Protestant idea, okay, this on its face good idea of recognizing Christ as king over all nations, including the United States, having this written into our Constitution. But he said that the problem is that we have this Protestant influence in our nation. And well, he begins with the Constitution saying, the Constitution, as he calls it, is a dead letter. It has been becoming in practice and is now substantially a pure democracy with no effective Constitution but the will of the majority. And the will of the majority wouldn't be bad if they are all formed according to the truth with an authoritative proclaimer of the truth, that is the Catholic Church. But Protestantism is all over the place in regard to the truth. You go to denomination to denomination, some expect or, or profess um, you know, 
contraception is okay, abortion is okay, same-sex marriage is okay. They're, they are in disarray. Uh, a democracy will work only if those in the democracy are formed rightly. One of the champions in the 1940s and 50s of the social kingship of Christ was Father Dennis Fahey. And he outlined in his books, for example, The Kingship of Christ in Organized Naturalism, one of his books, six points in order to achieve the kingship of Christ in every nation, including our own nation, these United States. I won't go through all the points, but I'll mention a few of them. Okay? One of them is, first, our Lord's mystical body, the Catholic Church, supernatural, it's above nature, and supranatural, above every nation on earth, is the one and only way established by God for our ordered return to Him. And states and governments must recognize this as such. Justice, reason, forbids the state to be godless. Pope Leo XIII said this in his encyclical on liberty, which was talking about false liberty. Well, the second point of forming uh, a true good government is that governments must recognize the Catholic Church as the sole divinely appointed guardian of the whole moral order, natural and revealed. Pope Leo XIII again, the Church of Christ is the true and sole teacher of virtue and guardian of morals. That's why Christ instituted it. And third point, Father Fahey made is the unity and indissolubility of marriage. Well, we see where the state has led us in regard to this. This is the foundation of society. Now, Satan's plan is to undermine these points, to prevent nations from recognizing the Catholic Church as the one true Church of Christ. See, Protestantism and, and uh, really our government, the way it was founded, will recognize every church. Everyone has a legitimate voice. Well, if everyone is equal, then you have chaos, and that is the state of things today. Okay? The government should, by God's design, by his will, recognize the Catholic Church as the one true church that Christ founded, because Christ only founded one church. You are Peter, on this rock I will build my church, singular, not plural. Satan also encourages states to treat the indirect power of the church with contempt. Indirect power meaning the states are to look to the church, the Catholic Church, for guidance on laws and policies. Well, if you know what happened to Pope Francis when he came to this country, when he met with the president, Obama, this evil man, because I'll call him an evil man, because he is an evil man, he had a number of people, one a transvestite, uh, uh, another uh, a gay minister or something, uh, meeting our Holy Father, okay? an insult to him. And he is an agent of Satan, that's all I can say, promoting abortion, the disintegration of marriage. Okay? But we elected him, 
This is the problem with democracy when you don't have people formed well in the truth and when you have a state deforming them, which has been happening, especially over these past 34 years since the sexual revolution. Third, Satan wants to undermine Christian, the Christian family and family life directly by how? The legalization of divorce, which our state recognizes, our church doesn't, or indirectly by the widespread promotion of immorality. This gets back to, um, to Pope Pius XI, his encyclical. The reason for this was to, to encourage states to recognize Christ as king and the church that he founded as the moral guide for laws and policies. This is the only way out of this mess that we are in, my friends, okay, is to return to the kingship of Christ, the recognition of the social kingship of Jesus Christ, not only by individuals, but by nations throughout the world. This is God's plan for peace and happiness, which results from order. Peace results is a fruit of a rightly ordered society. If you don't have a rightly ordered society, governments and individuals toward God, you have immorality, chaos, and the devil gets the upper hand. Okay. However, I'll say, in the end, we know the victory is ours. Okay. Christ has assured us of that. In fact, I, I just shared with Father de Gaulle, um, Father Emery de Gaulle, who's actually down at St. Therese today, because Father McDermott is, is uh, in St. Louis picking up Father Reese's uh, books and offering a mass for the nuns down there. Uh, I shared with Father de Gaulle last night. He's a professor at Mundelein uh, Seminary, <clears throat> a source of, of joy and hope. We know that even at the Synod on the family uh, that, has, that is ending today, I've been praying for it, there have been some wolves in sheep's, sheep's clothing, uh, cardinals and bishops among them, who are promoting uh, just, I don't know how to put it other than, than evil agenda, uh, allowing communion for divorced and remarried people, allowing communion for, for those who are in homosexual relationships. I can go on with a whole list of things. The Holy Spirit will not allow his church to depart from the truth. Uh, I shared with Father de Gaulle last night something I just read. It's from the abbot of the Clear Creek Monastery down in Kansas. Father Reese and I made two retreats there about 10, 12 years ago. And he shared a, a letter that was written by Sister Lucia, the last surviving seer who became a religious sister of a Carmelite nun. Uh, she wrote this letter to Cardinal Kafara shortly before she died. And she related to Cardinal Kafara that <clears throat> the last and final assault that Satan will launch against the church is against marriage. But do not worry, because the victory is already ours. Our Lady has crushed the head of the serpent. So, Our Lady crushes the head of the serpent, and she will be instrumental in bringing about that 
true kingship of Christ, which we pray for on this feast day of the kingship of Christ, that not only individuals but nations may return to sanity, recognizing the church as Christ's instrument on earth to promote his truth, submitting to the will of Christ, correctly ordering society to God through the teaching of his one holy Catholic and apostolic church, and finally recognizing Jesus Christ as our Lord, our King of kings, and our Savior. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.